Hey, welcome to Cold Turkey Podcast. This week I'm with Perdeep. Um, there are weeks where, you know, like you, you have a conversation with someone that, you know, like brings you kind of on another level of, you know, like um, both conscious and, and, and reflection uh, about, you know, like the, um, you know, like kind of both your life story, but you know, like the way you're dealing with things and challenges and obstacles in your life. And that's one of those conversations that I had with Perdeep. Not only is his story um, quite inspirational, but um, on top of that, you know, like he decided to take all of that life experience and, and concentrate it and make this um, almost like a, a, um, a weapon or, or, or some tool of his toolkit to help, you know, like the others. And it's, it's a, it's a great story and it's a great human being that I met in Perdeep. And, um, I don't want to waste much of your time because I want you to listen to what Perdeep has to say. And so without further ado, here's Perdeep. Enjoy. Deep, how are you doing? Hey, Alex. I love the intro music, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. It's um, it was you know, like as the logo creation was, it was kind of a almost a flash. You know, like I reached out to Fiverr. I don't know if you know Fiverr. Yeah. So um, all kinds of freelance people around the world, and I found that guy. Which I, it's funny because I reached out to him uh, a few months ago during the holidays and asked him. Um, would you add like us orchestral music around it and just like make it even more grandiose? And he was like, Oh, all my beer. I got it. You know, like, and so <laughs> came back and for a few bucks, you know, like made something that I haven't released yet. You know, like I'm just keeping it for either like my, I don't know, my second year anniversary or whatever, but you know, like uh, the, the initial conversation I had with him was pretty much, here's my project. Here's what my podcast is going to be about. I'm thinking about like really smooth and, you know, and he's like, again, you know, like all my drink, got it. And it came back with his, like, like the first uh, draft was it, you know, like I was like, wow, I mean, don't touch anything. It's perfect. He's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to tweak a few things in there and I'm going to add the violin and I'm, Okay. <laughs> and that was it, you know? So yeah, quite interesting. Same for the logo. Like I've told the guy what it, he's like, yeah, what about like, if it looked like a park bench where you would sit with a buddy and have those conversations? I was like, yeah, sounds great. You know, like, and he came back and again, you know, like, like his first draft was like, you got it, you know, like, and, and it was, um, weird, weird situation where it was like, wow, have you read my thoughts or something? Like it was really bizarre. Anyhow, thank you. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. It's pretty awesome. They have some pretty talented people on Fiverr. So, I mean, it blown away by, you know, like the quality and the, yeah, I mean, the, the, you need to find the right people, but sometimes you feel like the right people finds you and, and it's just, you know, like there, there's a connection there and it, it's, uh, it, it's almost magic. You know, like it's crazy, crazy. These it people happens. are crazy talented. Um, <laughs> I I start 
all of my podcasts for the last year, almost day to day, um, with the same question, which is kind of a twofold question. First being, in which region are you located? And the second is, how has been the pandemic for you? You know, like I know that there are a lot of, um, you know, like people are thinking a lot about the fact that, you know, like um, mental health is, you know, quite affected by the confinement, the isolation, you know, like people really being um, alone. And, you know, like uh, in terms of, um, for example, drugs abuse and alcohol abuse, I'm hearing a lot of um, relapses, uh, overdoses, um, even suicidal thoughts, you know, like so, so I, I, you know, like I'd like to hear, you know, like based on where you are right now, um, how has it been for you? And, you know, like what kind of um, perception you got from, you know, like the outside world of the region you're in? Yeah, sure. Actually, I'm not too far from you. I'm I'm in Hamilton, Ontario, and it's uh, it, it's been interesting. I think for for us, I think I'm getting to the end of of this um, end of the line when it comes to the social isolation because I think we've had enough of it as a society. I know our kids were struggling to. Uh, I just noticed their behavior over the Christmas break because it was extended over a couple of months that their behavior was actually changing significantly. And then when they went back to school, within a week, we just saw them get back to normal. So that was kind of nice. So for me personally, I can say it's it's been uh, it's been okay because I'm, I'm fairly resilient because this is a work that I do, right? I work with men specifically. I coach them on how to be resilient. But I'm tired of it because I don't get to see my family as much. Most of my family is actually in British Columbia. And my brother had a young son, for example, and his son is six months old. And I saw him right at the beginning, but I, they were planning on coming out here in March. But because of the pandemic, they're not, they're not coming out right now. So I wish I could see family more. I think that's the big challenge. And, and what you talked about is absolutely correct because we're just looking at the numbers. I don't have the exact numbers right now, but we know that, especially in the U.S. Uh, and even in Canada, that the number of people with de depression, anxiety is definitely increasing. Suicide has gone up significantly. It's impacting society. For me, I, you know, I, like I said before, the beginning of uh, 2020 and even towards the end was probably not too bad for us because we spent more time together as a family. We really came together and spent uh, as much time as we could going out, doing things within reason. Obviously, I mean, to the parks, bike yep. riding, that kind of stuff, rather than going out to restaurants. We couldn't do any of that kind of stuff. So we spent a lot of our time as a family unit. I have two young kids, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and my wife. So we came together closer from that perspective. But I know now just... I, I think people are tired of it. I'm kind of tired of it. It'd be nice to go out and actually hang out with people and hang out with friends. Yeah. Uh, Toronto just opened up this week. Or I, I believe it's opening up. Oh, maybe it was this week. I think they just opened up uh, on March 8th. So it'll be interesting to see what happens now. And and um, you're right. You know, like it, it, it is... Um, we, my wife and I talk about this all the time. You know, like it is... It is... Um, almost like a marathon, you know, an obstacle race marathon, you know, where, where you, you, you have to talk so much more, you know, like not only is, you know, like, like our professional life has not, has not stopped, but there was all kinds of obstacle thrown away, you know, like daycare center closing and, and so on and so forth. And, um, 
still this weekend, you know, like we had long conversation around that, you know, like we, we had, uh, for some time we had like a, a nanny that, you know, like we, we could rely on this weekend. We tried to, because it was our March break for school. Um, and so we took a few days because she was off, you know, like she works in schools. And so we, we took a few days off, like, um, from Wednesday to Saturday to like rent somewhere and, you know, go there and, you know, and kind of, you know, like, um, pay her to have more intimacy, my wife and I, you know, like just a bit yeah. and then realize like midway that, um, I guess for, for many reasons, but you know, like one of them being that, you know, like she got close to us and became more of a friend and an quote unquote employee kind of. Yeah. And, um, all of a sudden, you know, like we realized that, oh my God, okay. She's not doing her job at all. <laughs> you know, I got my son like running after me and you know, like I gotta, you know, like I can't rely on her for anything. And you know, like I, and we freaked out, you know, like it was, it was so the only occasion that, you know, like we actually, um, you know, like spend way too much money for, you know, like something that we thought would be like a, like a break of, you know, like the, the routine, um, ended up being even worse than routine. You know, like it was just like, because it was, our expectations were so high around it. Um, and so on Sunday we woke up almost like too tired and and <laughs> i looked at my wife like god damn it you know like it it's tough you know like it's tough you know like we, we need to yeah if if you don't communicate um either to friends or or even to your close ones you know like it's going to be a, a much rougher times uh if you keep it inside you know like so yeah i mean like you said you're tired we're, we're definitely all tired of that crazy those crazy times it's it's nuts <laughs> yeah i think everybody's hoping for that vaccine to be distributed soon so we'll see what happens yeah and um i'm i'm you know like i i asked you before we started recording um i i usually have you know like kind of two types of guests you know like the first one are the ones that you know like the the kind of the usual um guess is someone that has overcame um a situation with with a substance abuse or like either drugs, alcohol or others. Um, in, in your case, Pradeep, you actually are, um, helping people that have, you know, like, um, challenges or have been gone through, you know, like those situations. Um, mm -hmm. I'm gonna anyhow, rewind the life story tape of your life Pradeep. you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm I want to bring you back to your childhood because there are, there must be motivation why you decided to, you know, like kind of take that route of helping, you know, the others. Um, what was your childhood like? Just draw me a picture of, you know, like the family three and, you know, like the family picture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I grew up in Kelowna, British Columbia. So super small town at that time. And my parents were immigrants from India. They came here in the early seventies and, and had my brother and I, and, uh, as far as I could remember, we, we literally grew up on an orchard because my parents didn't have any formal education and they just knew how to do physical labor. So they got work on an orchard and that's how we were raised. I remember my brother and I being put in an apple bin while my parents would be picking apples. Uh, interesting enough, we had a lot of people actually come from Quebec and, and help out because it at that time, a lot of people were coming for apple yep. picking and especially cherry picking in the summer. They would save up and then they would go traveling typically in Europe or in Asia somewhere. Yep. 
So, uh, so our, you know, we, uh, that was always, we always had interesting summers, but that's how I grew up. It was a very mindful environment. I absolutely loved it. I loved growing up on the orchard. It was hard work. It was tough. It wasn't easy. We spent uh, weekends there. We spent our summers there. So my parents taught us work ethic. My first, I was, you know, I was working informally since I was a little kid, but my first formal job was at nine years old um, on an orchard. And then I eventually um, got in and I started managing parts of the orchard that we worked on. And then my parents eventually bought their own orchard. But that was kind of my upbringing is was really a lot to do with physical work and being on the orchard. Very mindful, though. Uh, my parents were awesome. They were great parents from that perspective because they they had high expectations of us because they were working their butts off to give a life for my my brother and I because they came from poverty. They literally had next to nothing and they came here. My dad actually came here with $11. Uh, and so their whole mission was to give my brother and I a life and told us to go into academics. And that's what my brother and I did, especially me. I, I really doubled down on academics, got into the corporate world. But during my younger years, I think you asked what, what drives me. I think, you know, a big part of me believes that our paths are are chosen for a specific reason. My dad was a great guy. He taught me a lot when it comes to being a man and how to be responsible and work ethic. And uh, but he also struggled from alcoholism. His his uncle, so my great grand, so my grandfather uh, was in the military in India for decades, and he spent two months out of the year with his family. The rest ten months out of the year was away from his family, and he. He basically gave his brother, his younger brother, um, you can say responsibility to take care of his kids. But unfortunately, his younger brother, so my dad's uncle, was an alcoholic himself. And so my dad started drinking with my uncle at a young age at about 15. And he never really shook that throughout his life. My dad was a great guy, but he would drink a lot. On the, especially on the weekends and that that posed a big challenge because he was a big guy, physically big guy. and. There's obviously some challenges in his life uh, that caused him to have anger and have sadness and these built up emotions. So when he would drink too much, he would just be a completely different guy. Like he would go from being the dad that, you know, I had no issue. Like it, it was like our family's totally protected. Nothing could hurt us to, oh my God, what's going on with dad? Like he's freaking out. He's, you know, yelling, he's screaming, he's being emotional. Like he's just losing his end, like his, his top. And I was the only person in the household that could calm him down at that time. And I was a young kid. I was probably seven or eight years old when I started to see his behavior because at that time I was old enough to understand. And I would calm him down and I would actually sleep with him because he would just have these hysteric fits and sleeping with my dad would calm him down. Like he just felt some level of peace. Um, I don't know if it was a challenge because he felt maybe abandoned by his father at, at when he was younger or whatever it was, but he just... Uh, he, I knew he loved my brother and I to like, he would do anything for us. And so it was this challenging upbringing from that perspective. Cause I loved him. He did everything for us. But then on the other side kind of had this love hate relationship where it was like, I just couldn't understand why he would become this other man. So eventually my dad had diabetes as well. So his alcohol, you know, really escalated his diabetes quite a bit. There was a point in time in his life where, he almost lost his, uh, you can say his ability to walk. 
because the nerve damage in his feet. But the, and the doctor said it's not it's not reversible. But somehow my dad actually, you know, it, it was a, kind of like a miracle. He was he was fine. He never got into the stage of being in a wheelchair, but he was fairly wow. close, probably a couple of minutes away. But he was fine again. <laughs> like his and the doctor said, I've never seen this happen before because typically those nerves don't grow back or they don't heal. And so he went for a long time. He had a mini heart attack and and a minor heart attack, I should say. Uh, had a stint put in and he was fine. And then, uh, you know, my dad's goal eventually, he, because all he did was work hard. They bought their own orchard. Um, he never really struggled with money. It was great with like, they had money, they traveled, went back to India when they wanted to. But my dad was never really fulfilled. There's something in his life that just caused him, like he, he was restless. Let's just put it that way a lot of times. And I think the alcohol calmed him down and put him in ease. But what eventually happened was he had this goal of hitting 65 and that was going to be his time when he uh, when he wasn't going to retire. He was just going to step back and, and do less work, for example. And relax and, and, for once. And yeah, just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and typically 65, right? That's the pension age. And that was his milestone to say, I came to Canada with next to nothing and now I've made it. Right. I've made it. I raised, you know, two successful kids. I have a, a happy family. But what ended up happening was he passed away from a sudden heart attack at 64 and a half. He was working <sighs> by himself. Uh, typically, he goes, it was Sunday morning. Typically, he, he, my mom drags him to the Sikh temple. But this time she didn't. Uh, it was a very interesting chain of events. Uh, you could say it was meant to happen. I'm a firm believer in, you know, things happening for a reason. My, my dad and my mom actually got into a little bit of an argument the night before because my dad was drinking. And the next morning, my mom got up and she didn't talk to him because she was pissed at him. And she didn't say, come to the temple. She just went straight to the temple. And when she came back, she saw, she heard the machinery running. And so she thought my dad was still working. She went out into the orchard because she was, she was, she's an active woman herself. And she started working a little bit. And after an hour, she realized, though, you know, my dad hasn't eaten lunch and that's not like my dad. So she went to look for him and as she turned around about 20 feet away from her. My dad was laying there. And by that time, he had already passed and, and she went into a hysteric fit. And, and, uh, you know, that, that was a moment for me that I realized, wow, you know, it, dad's no longer around. It's a different, it's a different life now, right? Cause he was a man of, of the, you could say the house, the family. Uh, and and you have to grow up real quick. Although I had my own family, you know, I'm a man myself, but it's a different story when now you're the eldest in the family and, Absolutely. and, and you have to take over and then you're, you know, your mom's dependent on you and you have to take a look at everything that's happening. It's losing so, a pillar, you know, like it, it's literally yeah. losing a pillar to, you know, like kind of that tree, you know, like, so, so you, yeah. you, you lose, um, I lost my mom a year ago and, um, Oh, you know, like she sorry, was, dude. well, you know, like same, same for you, pretty, you know, like, and, and thank you. But, you know, like I, she was the one calling me almost every day, you know, like kind of giving me like the family update and, you know, like wanted to, and while at sometimes you're like, oh, I'm not mom again, you know, like, come on, you know, um, I kind of miss those calls right now. You know, like it's, it's, and, yeah. and my father is kind of more like me not an introvert, but you know, like not much to say. <laughs> and so I'm the one that, you know, I kind of have to kind of, you know, even not realize, but, you know, uh, remind myself to reach out. And, and so I, I gave myself like a responsibility to visit him every Saturday morning with my son. 
And um, that's how we keep, you know, because I know that, you know, like he, he's not that type, you know, like, and, and so probably is, you know, like for, for losing your dad first, you know, like it's kind of a different situation, but, you know, um, similar in the way that, you know, like you're losing a pillar of your, your own uh, genetic tree. So it's, um, it's, in some ways it's, it's a tragic situation, you know, like even, um, even more so when they, they, when they pass at such a young age, you know, like we're not, you know, like in, in, in 2021, we're not using hearing people passing at 60 something. My mom was, you know, mm -hmm. like 60 something too, you know, like, so it's, it's, um, it's, it, you know, like it's young, it's quite young. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it doesn't matter how old you get, your parents are still your parents, right? Yep. They're still that level of comfort. Absolutely. And they're, you're right. You know, like, you know, like my, my, my mom was on speed dial for whatever rent I had, you know, like, like, you know, like just, <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe, you know, like, and, and so, yeah, I mean, like, and, and it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's just those habits that, you know, like you, you, almost took for granted and like i said you know like there were moments where i was like ah it's not the right time mom you know like i'm i'm working or whatever um it there's many days that you know like i just like oh yeah you know like she's not going to call because you know like she's actually not here anymore you know like it's a, mm -hmm. it's kind of a weird <laughs> weird kind of thought you know he's like well my mom hasn't called well you know, she can't um yeah. <laughs> and so um, how, how frequent were those, um, you, you know, like you talked about, you know, like your, your, your dad's habits, but how, how frequent were there, were these kind of fits and moments where, you know, like you, you, you had to get involved in, in calming him down and all that. Was that, was that frequent or, or it was more on like rare occasions where would that uh, would happen? No, it was actually fairly frequent. And I think it just depended on. Uh, this, what would be happening in his life, it would be, uh, you know, typically I would, I would hope that it didn't happen that often, but it was at least once a week because he, he tried to keep it. He tried to keep the drinking down to one day a week and it was typically a Friday or a Saturday, but the sometimes he would do binge drinking for five days straight, uh, morning to night. But it was, there was a particular period of time in his life that I feel like he, had a lot of built up anger. So there was anger towards his own parents. There was anger towards my, my mom's uh, side of the family. So his in-laws. And I think there was probably a 10 year stretch where he was almost every weekend, he was being that way. And it was freaky because it's like, okay, he wouldn't go to sleep either. And so it'd be, it'd be like three o'clock in the morning and he'd still be around. We're like, oh my God, like we just go to sleep. Right. Yeah. And the moment he would go to sleep would be that calming feeling like, but then I remember laying next to him because if I was sleeping next to him, I was just scared to death that if I turned around, uh, and he woke up, like I would, I didn't want to wake him up. So I would just like lay there as still as I could and not make a peep and i just remember that because it, it was one of those things where i'm just like okay i can't wake him up i can't wake him up uh, and then when he got a little bit older you could say when he got in his 50s probably he calmed down a little bit he didn't have those same level of uh, that I, I don't think he had that same level of anger in him so it it was definitely a lot less frequent and I think especially and as you grow this, older, you can take less, right? You know, like your, your yeah. ability to kind of take it, you know, like is, it is reduced, you know, like, so, so my guess is that, you know, like the, the, um, 
the mechanic or the body, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know like it's, yeah. it's kind of a, as, so I guess, um, while this was going on, you came, um, you came to your early teens, right? Yeah. Well, it started when I was younger, probably seven or eight. And then I got in my teens and, and then, um, eventually I went away to university and he calmed down a little bit around that time, but it's still, still happening every once but in a it, while. But, but in your teens, Pradeep, you know, yep. how pissed were you of seeing your dad like that? You know, like, cause you know, like as, as a teenager, you know, like whatever your dad or your mom's does, you know, like they're, they're, they're posers, you know, like, you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on, mom, you know, like, and, and so, you know, like going through this as a young age, even though you can't really wrap your head around what's going on, I guess, you know, like you, you live with it or you go, you know, like you kind of dance with it, um, yeah. going into your teens, um, as kind of rebellious as your teen is, how did you, how were you affected and how did you react to those same situations? Well, I was always kind of like the caretaker, I would say, because I always watched and made sure that he was taken care of and my mom was taken care of, for example. Sometimes they get into heated arguments. So I was always the, the mediator there. So I never really rebelled from that perspective. At 17, I think I started to drink a little bit, um, went out to party a little bit, but I was always a good, good kid from that perspective. <laughs> but I did have this love-hate relationship with my dad at that time, mainly because my biggest thing with him was, okay, if you're going to drink, Just stay at home and drink. Don't go anywhere. But he had a habit of wanting to go chill out with friends and get wasted there. And I would have to go pick him up. And a lot of the times I had had to get him out of the vehicle and physically have to pick him up because he drank so much. Um, or if we went to a, a party, it'd be like, okay, dad, if you're going to drink, just have a couple of drinks and then we'll leave. But then it'd be like, my dad, from that perspective, I have to say, when he drank and he was in a good mood he was he was like the life of the party my friends loved him everybody loved him because he loved to dance and he was an easygoing guy you could just talk to him about anything it would just be with something just something just turned him the wrong way that would be when he had a challenge so at parties we would hope that okay you know he's going to be in a good mood because if he's in a good mood he'll have fun people around him will have fun but if he gets uh someone pisses him off That's not going to be a good thing. So we would try to get him out of the party as, as soon as possible. So I, I spent a lot of weekends taking care of my dad, which I was pissed off about. And walking uh, on thin ice, actually. Sorry? Just walking on thin ice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah because I was I, every 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 time, like on the weekends, I would know Friday or Saturday. And this is where my journey really started when it came to helping men because I started to study at that time why men do what they do, the male psyche, um, how men operate in society, operate in relationships, uh, psychology at that time, because there was a point where I got uh, into it so much that I could tell when my dad was going to drink before. Uh, probably he even knew when he was going to drink because I watched his mannerisms. I watched, you know, how he was behaving, how he walked, for example, and how he talked. And I could tell when he was going to drink. Um, and the bigger challenge, too, was because him and my mom, and unfortunately, it went that way. My mom felt like she had to 
help him or control him in some way. So she would be the one that had the handle on the booze, right? She would, she would hide the booze. She would be the one, like he would go to her and say, okay, I'm going to drink tonight. Can you give me the bottle? And I think as a man too, that kind of got him even more angry to feel like he'd have to ask for the booze. And so I, my mom never understood that. And I tried to talk to her that time. And I said, you know what? You said, let him do it because you holding him back is just going to make it worse, right? That's probably one of the reasons why he's actually drinking that much in the yep. first place yeah so and it's so, it's a, and by the way for listeners you know like uh we 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 um we talk a lot about enablers and that's one other way to enable someone you know because you know like it's it's um it's kind of a game it's almost it becomes kind of a game probably your dad was hiding some of his, uh, oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, yeah. he, he had stash, stashes everywhere. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, so it becomes almost a game where your mom, you know, like is, is not stupid, knows that there are stashes hidden everywhere and it becomes a game. So that's kind of another aspect that we see people become enablers themselves, you know, where, um, you, you hold off to, and you make like, and, and the enabler becomes, um, the victim so people have empathy for the person that you know like it, it can't hold that you know have no control over x or y their son their mother their father um use and and you know like so so an enabler is not only someone that actually like finances the uh the uses of you know like the the, the people that they enable uh but it's sometimes situation that you just described pretty you know like which is um kind of playing that game of you know like i'm gonna be in control of what your abuse will be and it's like <laughs> it's not gonna happen okay. um and um and it becomes it becomes almost like um a reliable way for for in that key situation your mom to well i can't control him well it's not about control you know like it, it's actually you know, like the the if you know like the best way and I, I know that because, you know, like my son is actually on relapse right now. And the only way I can help him is to make sure that, you know, like Alec accelerates his way to the bottom of that barrel. You know, like it's, there's no other way. And it's unfortunate because, you know, like the, there are a lot of risk taking, um, a lot of risk taken in, 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 in seeing that fall, but the, 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 whatever i use and means to slow him down into that fall i'm actually not helping him unfortunately you know like it's it's sad but it's, it's pretty much what it is you know like so mm. you know um and and i see i see a a correlation to the situation of your mom you know like where she slowed him down and it's into his fall you know like where you know like that's you know like one of the good way to help someone is just to almost push him on, on the shoulder yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. which is which is almost reverse psychology right? we're not used to um not helping you know um actually helping more by not helping you know which is weird yeah exactly and there were times that he wanted to like he tried quitting a number of times and it just fall, fell back into the same pattern. So that was kind of the journey because I, I uh, you know, for me, that that was a big 
reason why I do what I do in terms of helping and working specifically with men because I see the challenges that a lot of guys are going through, whether it's addiction to alcohol or drugs or, um, you know, a lot of guys are addicted to other things. A lot of guys are addicted to work, for example, or a lot of guys are addicted to success uh, and they forget that they have also a family that's dependent on them and they're not just dependent on them financially, they're dependent on them emotionally as well. So that's that's the area that I really work with. How did that begin? Um, you know, like you said, there's a few things that pops in my in my head right now. But um, you said that you tried alcohol a bit. You know, like what was your relation with those substances? You know, like like weed and you know, like the, the usual suspects, right? Weed, alcohol. Um, what was your relation? You know, like was there like a lot of um, resentment or hate around you know, like alcohol, for example, and you know, like you you resented it or. No, you know what? I would say at the beginning, yeah. So I, I started drinking with my friends, as I mentioned, around 17. Didn't drink that much. And then probably between 20 to probably for a good 10 years, I would drink going on partying. So we would drink uh, quite a bit, probably Friday night or Saturday night, sometimes Friday and Saturday night, go out to the bar and just go party just like, you know, with all my friends. So there was a point after 30 that I realized, okay, I probably shouldn't drink this much and I cut back significantly. Um, but it was also, you know, I had the same tendency as my dad's, if we take a look at it from a genetic aspect too, like I wouldn't have to drink that much and sometimes I would just black out. Like it would just be what the heck happened last night. I didn't even drink that much. So alcohol for me doesn't sit well from that perspective. Uh, and there were times I'd wake up and I'd be just like, and friends would tell me like, hey, you you know, you did this. I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, you know, those were the worst moments is waking up the next day feeling like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or other people telling me stuff because I know that's how my dad felt too. I think that was one of his big challenges was... He would drink to the point where he couldn't remember the next day. So if you can't remember the next day, you know, it's easy to, you know, pretend like you didn't do anything <laughs> and, and and just keep going. So, but I, I saw that and I, and I, like, those are the, probably the biggest, uh, if I talk about a heavy heart, that was probably the moment, those moments in my life where I woke up and, and I was just not happy with myself, not proud of who I was. Because I was just like, oh, I just, I, if, and I drink now, I'll drink on the weekends with my wife and we'll have a couple of drinks. We'll drink wine. And, um, if we go out to a party, we'll do that. But I don't get, I don't get drunk to that point anymore. Like I just, it's just not a good feeling. Yeah. I don't like to be not in a control of myself, not be able to handle different situations. Yes. And, and going back to, you know, like to, to the profession you decided to engage in, um, As, as much as instant, instinctively you, you developed, um, kind of a sixth sense of, you know, like watching your dad and seeing things, you know, um, coming up, um, how academically have you decided, you know, like what, what was the path that you decided to that, how much kind of your personal life influence and what did you choose in terms of path academically to, to go where you wanted to based on, you know, like that experience? Yeah. So I, you know, my parents, because as I mentioned before, they worked hard for, to provide my brother and I an education. And so originally I went into, um, biochemistry so that they wanted me to be a doctor. And that's essentially what, uh, I was planning on doing at the beginning, but then I just wasn't for it because at around the same time I was in third year or second year and my grandfather passed away and he spent a lot of time in, in the hospital. And I was at the hospital quite a bit. And I'm like, I just don't want to do this. 
Um, I wanted to help people, but not from this perspective. So I went into business and my parents weren't actually very happy about that. And then I, I went into business and I got into the corporate world. But you, the whole time, like because I was managing employees at 16, I was personal trainer at 17. I was an academic tutor for years. Uh, in my corporate world, I was coaching individuals. I was always a mentor. So helping people was always a part of me. It was part of my DNA, you can say. And when I left the corporate world, I, I got into the business consulting and coaching space, but it, it really narrowed itself down into working specifically with men because I had these, you can say, built up skills mm-hmm. and abilities to talk to men about the most difficult times that they've gone through. Not only because I've gone through those challenges, whether it's a failed relationship um, or drinking too much alcohol or, or, you know, we talk about sex addiction or anything like that, um, but also what my dad went through. And I, I learned so much from what my dad has gone through that it is it has literally set me up for where I am today, where I can have conversations with men, where men are, and, and you obviously know this, is guys are have a very difficult time talking about these kinds of things. They have a yeah. difficult time talking about their challenges in their life and opening up, especially to other men. Uh, and so that that really led me to where I am today. Plus, I, I also have a background in neuroscience and psychology because that was one of my habits because I always want to know um, or hobbies because I always want to know how the brain worked, right? Because if we talk about addiction, it's a mind-body addiction and mainly in, in, in the mind. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to understand this. And so I learned all of these different things uh, to help guys in terms of, okay, if you're gonna have an addiction, let's have a good addiction, right? Let's, let's get addicted to working out. Let's get addicted to eating healthy. Let's get addicted to other things uh, that are actually empowering you in life rather than the other challenges. And, and, and as you know, a lot of the reasons why guys will drink, there's so many, but, uh, there's some kind of lack of something in their life that is driving them or they feel like they get greater control or they, feel less pain, right? Yep. Or it shuts it shuts off that part of their brain that's on overdrive. And, and I see this a lot with guys who are super successful, whether they're CEOs or business owners, whatever that is, is it, it just enables them. And I, and I fall into this category too, because I, I can tell you that, you know, a drink for me will just help me calm my mind to a certain level where I'm just like, okay, I'm free of that weight on my shoulders. Yep. And now I can just, I can just be myself. So I, I understand these challenges inside and out. And that's where I always look back in terms of the reason why I do what I do, Alex, is I say, you know, what if my dad had someone by his side that has the skills that I do? How would his life have been different? Unfortunately, I tried to help my dad, but it's a difficult situation when you're younger and you're, you know, someone's son yep. uh, and you're, you're in there. It just, it wasn't going to work. And so uh, my giving back now is being able to help, you know, my dad's no longer around, but when he passed, it was like a sign from him saying, son, you know, I go out there. There's so many other guys that need your help. Please, you know, go out there because I, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain that moment, but when he passed, it was just, it was like, it, it was just like a sign. That's, that's what it was. It was just like, keep going down that road. And then, and then I haven't looked back since. And, um, how much does, you know, like the, the, cause the, there's, there's a few things, you know, like, again, you know, like you, you, you make me 
think a lot about you know like the, there's there's the old debate of nature and nurtured right like in mm -hmm. terms of abuse you know like in, in substance abuse i mean um in which category would you fall on? You know, like, you know, like I, I, I strongly believe, and you talked about genetics. I strongly believe that there was something in my genes actually that, you know, like made me, um, and I have like a, a, a story that I've repeated so many times, like some people must be fed up of my story, but you know, like I, I remember being five or six years old, my father would, you know, out of my father was in no way uh, an alcohol addict. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side was. Um, my mom, you know, like it could you know like lose it sometimes, but you know like not you know like not. Um, I would say um, it was kind of uh, during the holidays and you know like Easter or, but you know like not on a weekly or daily um, habit. But my grandfather was, you know, like big time um, on. Uh, not admitted, but, you know, like clearly when I look back, you know, like he was, he was almost always drunk. Um, but fast forward, I'm five or six years old. We have like that house on, on the countryside and my father out of, um, kind of teaching me physics or whatever, he wants me to empty the snowmobiles at, in spring. So, you know, I kind of, you know, pull on a, on a tube and empty the <laughs> gasoline into a five gallon, you know, um, and I'm, I'm so young that, you know, like I'm, he, he explains to me how that, you know, like that, that physics effect of, you know, like pulling on that tube and, you know, like, and, and it transfers. And so my, my, my dad kind of leaves me to that. And, um, I quickly realized that when I've missed it a few times, I get high on that gasoline bus and still you know like still today i strongly believe that over 95 percent of kids would have been scared to death of what happened you know of what happened to me at the time but i wasn't scared mm. and that's where you know like no one showed me that no one taught me that no one you know like no one had you know like i had no example or you know like, um of you know like that you know, of that of seeing someone buzzed or i or you know like, and but I still wanted to repeat it instead of being scared. And so, you know, like a few, maybe a few minutes later, or a few hours later, my father finds me knocked out, like almost knocked out on that snowmobile, you know, um, bench and I'm, I'm, I'm buzzed, you know, like he's like, what the fuck <laughs> picks me up. And he's like, not, not worried as much as, you know, like come back, you know, like what's going on? You know, I like, can seize that, you know, like, and, you know, like didn't want me to do it. You know, like did, just didn't want me to, um, well, sure enough, didn't want me to get high, but, you know, like surely didn't want me to, um, do that again. You know, like, so, <laughs> so it was, it was kind of a weird story, which I forgot for a long time, but when that debate and that, conversation came back on the nature versus nurtured um i always think about that story saying well actually no one showed me that and 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 at the same time i i i do believe that you know like i should have been scared of kind of losing control at such a young age and i wasn't at all you know like it was it was just like wow you know like that's kind of cool you know like and and, <laughs> <laughs> and so what you know like yeah. you talked about genetics and so yeah what have you know like 
fast forward, you know, like to, to, to now, you know, like what are your conclusion on, on that? You know, like, have, do you see that, you know, like it's mostly something that you, you, you do have in your blood or, or, you know, like you, you've met with people that have actually almost have been taught of, you know, like using too much or, or, or going too far. Yeah, I, I personally think it's a combination. I think environment has a big part to play too, but I think you're also susceptible people when I say you um, to genetics because there has been a linkage between um, alcoholism and genetics um, in genes and passing it down. So I'm a firm believer that, yeah, because I know like I can, I was watching my dad's behavior and I haven't definitively come to this conclusion, but it's very, I'm very, I'm fairly positive like the way my dad drank for example and he didn't have to drink that much and he would he would black out for example and i have the same thing like two i can go with my buddies and we can drink the same amount and i'm just like out and we're the same size and we're the same build for example and there's just something in my genetics that's different and i i can see that that type of behavior but here's an interesting thing so psychedelics for example and and things that give us a high uh, have been around for a long long time if we take a look at the history of it yep. it's actually you know we're, we're dating like tens of thousands of years that people have been shown to use it in some way shape or form and here's an interesting thing even after animals have this tendency where dolphins for example will play around with pufferfish or bluefish and get them to um, release a certain chemical that they get high off of in the water and so they're they're actually talking and this is the, a theory right now is that it's an evolutionary thing as well that whenever our brain as in us as human beings or animals come into a contact with a substance that gives us a high, we like it and, and we want to try it out. Uh, and we may continue to try it out because our brain likes that, right? And some people, if we take a look at addictions, right? Uh, right now, the biggest addiction that I see is people with their smartphones. Yeah. That, that is a massive addiction. If we take a look at how it works, we're talking about dopamine plus other chemicals because it just automatically fires off a sensation that makes you feel good. Whether you get a like on a post or something or someone shares your post, that's what it's designed to do. These guys are brilliant people and they know how the brain works. So uh, long story short, if I'm going to say that is... Um, I, I think it's a combination. Genetics, there's been definitely been a correlation between addictions and genes but also environment i think there's a lot of companies right now that are very uh let's just say smart when it comes to getting people addicted to certain things and that's why you know if we take a look at media if we take a look at other things that's why i'm very adamant i tell i told my wife you know you got to be very careful because in a lot of ways we're getting manipulated to get uh to get addicted to certain things absolutely i mean this is um it's they're so, you know, like these people are so good that we do forget that we're highly addicted. <laughs> That's how good they are. Because, you know, like if, if you look at that face value and if you, you know, like every, every phone has their, um, in their system has an app that actually tells you how much, uh, screen time you're using per week. And as time goes, it grows weekly you know like it it's 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 scary how much it grows um and especially during these times where you know like you your your face to face and human contacts are limited um this becomes 
I'm even, you know, like it disgusts me to say that's the next best thing. You know, like it's, it's, uh, mm. unfortunately the next best thing. Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, like, and, and, and it's, you know, like it's, it's such a good drug that, you know, like the, the, um, the, the designer are able to make you believe that you're not addicted. You know, like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's that great, you know, like <laughs> yeah. kudos. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I always laugh. I always tell people, you know what, you want, you want to make a fortune, open up smartphone addiction clinics, because right now it's, 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 we haven't talked about it because people haven't openly talked about the addiction to smartphones, but it will be talked about in five or 10 years Absolutely. because people will know for that time, we'll have some definitive studies that show the impact. Yeah. The, the other thing, you know, like you talked about, you know, like the men having, um, and you know, like, I guess it's a generation thing, you know, like, but you know, like our elders or our fathers had a harder time, you know, like my father as well, but you know, like had a harder time talking about their emotions and talking about, you know, like kind of how they felt and, um, are we making our life more complicated than it really is? You know, like as we, you know, like as, as generation passes and, you know, like, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, you know, like in terms of kind of, um, I feel that, you know, like nowadays we're, we're trying to, we, we, we haven't, we never dig as much as deep as we're doing right now in terms of finding what's mm -hmm. wrong with us. And, you know, like it makes us almost in, you know, like makes me believe that in some cases we almost either invent or, or, you know, like you have to have something, you know, like there has to be something. And sometimes it's just like, well, you know, like just leave it at that, you know, like, you know, I don't know if you understand what I mean by that pretty, but you know, like, I feel like sometimes you know, like there, you know, like you talked about resilience, you know, like resilience, there has to be something of, um, a bit of a, um, well, fuck it kind of, you know, like way of thinking, you know, like, like mm -hmm. I need to move on, you know, like it's, it's, you know, like life is like that and, and come on, you know, like, and, and, um, and I feel like right now, you know, like we're, we're talking so much about, you know, like how, how we're feeling that, you know, like we kind of stumble and, and slows or, you know, like we almost slow us ourselves down, um, because, you know, like we need to analyze and overanalyze and, you know, kind of talk about it. And so, you know, what, what are your thoughts about this? <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll take a look at it from, you know, my teachings in terms of um, because my grandfather was a very spiritual man and he was also in the military for decades. So I saw a lot of different aspects to and he was the most disciplined, probably the most manly man I know in terms of he was super resilient. Uh, towards the end of his life, he went through significant pain, but he, you wouldn't be able to tell by talking to him. And and so uh, when we take a look at this, and if we take a look at from a perspective of, uh, it, you know, Buddhist philosophers talk about suffering. I, and this is the biggest thing I can relate it to, because I think this is important. Suffering being a part of life. And I think we all need to realize that that suffering happens to every one of us, right? There, every, all of us go through challenges. There's no place and you'll never find a single household that hasn't gone through some kind of challenge, whether it's death or abuse or addiction or whatever it is, right? It's almost impossible. But their definition of suffering, which is really interesting, is resistance to pain. 
So when we feel this pain and we don't accept it as a part of life, that's when it becomes suffering. When we say, no, this shouldn't happen to me, or I can't believe this is happening to me, right? I'm better than this. That's when when pain actually becomes suffering. And when you have prolonged suffering, that's a problem, right? We all go through pain and we have to realize that. And I just, you know, if I go back, I relate, like my dad would just literally have these massive gashes in his hand, just bandage it up and go right back to work. And be like, you know, guys these days would be like, oh, my hand, you know, I got to go off work for months or whatever that is. But they learn to just keep moving forward with life, right? And it's not that we shouldn't talk about pain. It's not that we shouldn't admit our pain. We just need to accept it and say that it is part of our life um, and continue to move on. So I think I think what you're talking about, if I understand correctly, is, yeah, sometimes we make little things bigger than what it should be. And we should just realize that, we got to move forward. We got to keep going forward. And my grandfather used to say one thing which really stuck with me. He said, the simpler your life, the happier your life will be, right? Simplify it. Simplify it down because if you think make things too complex, you're never going to be able to figure it out. And I didn't realize at that time I was a teenager. I'm like, what are you talking about? But as I got older, it definitely makes sense because the more <laughs> complex we make it, the tougher it gets. And, and, and you, I mean, you know, like it's the, the level of, you know, like the, the pain threshold of every human being is different, right? You know, like as, as physically as emotionally. And, and sometimes um, you stand or you talk with someone that you realize that, you know, like their most painful experience has been like a bump on your road. You know, like it's just mm-hmm. like, is that? <laughs> you know, like I, I was talking about, you know, like my son, you know, like relapsing and being active drug addict right now. And sometimes people listen to you, you the, the story and it's like, wow, that must be and you're like, well, it, it is tragic for sure, but I have to move on. You know, like, the, the, you know, like they're, they're, especially when you have, when I have a conversation with someone that, you know, like has not stopped drinking, for example, and, you know, it gives you reasons why they haven't stopped drinking and it's it's kind of a funny conversation that i have with them you know like he's, i'm yeah. like okay where do you want me to start you know like i'm, I'm going to give you a few reasons why i would start drinking again today you know like my my son is five years old five years old he's been diagnosed with um um autism spectrum at two my my two older kids you know like don't talk to me for a year now my son is, you know, like has relapsed. My my brother, sister, and mom had um, muscular dystrophia, and you know, like my my sister and mom passed a few years back. You know, like okay, so those are all reasons why I would relapse. Actually, right now, you know, I could just crack open a beer, you know? <laughs> just at the base yeah. va- face value of it. At the same time, those are the same reason why I don't use. Those mm. are the same reason why I stay sober. Because I want to yeah. be a great example of a dad for my son and I want to, and for my sons and want to be a great example for my daughter, even if it goes down to in, in 10 years from now where she calls me back and say, well, what the fuck have I done? You know, like not talking to you for no reasons, you know, like whatever were her reasons for, to stop talking to me. And the same goes for being solid for my dad right now. You know, like it's, you know, like he's, he lost his daughter and lost his, his, his wife in very little time, you know, I like can, and, and those are the reasons why I stay sober, you know, I like, can, then it's, it's by stumbling too much 
across these obstacles in your life that I feel sometimes that people are almost like dragging and lagging and, and moving on, you know, like, so I absolutely, um, I'm going to be using, I'm going to borrow your grandfather's saying, and, you know, um, because for me, it's, you, you just put into words something that I've done uh, for the past, I'd say almost 10 to 15 years, because life is, isn't easy for anyone. But at some point you say, and I guess I, I, I went through that when I, when I separated from my ex-wife, you know, like, because, um, I remember driving back home, uh, without my kids home and realizing that, um, you know, like, it's funny, you know, like I talk a lot about the bottom of the barrel, but I thought that I could get to the bottom of the barrel of sadness, you know, like, and, and being sad and just cry over the fact that, you know, like I was missing my kids. And at some point I realized that there were no bottom. Mm. And woke up one Saturday morning, you know, and, and went, I can actually make myself go crazy and lose, completely lose my mind if I think that I'm going to, you know, like reach the bottom and pop back up. There's no bottom. I'm just going to fall <laughs> into that, you know, yeah. like, you know, like bottomless pit and, and just lose my shit over that situation and yeah. had to pick myself off by myself and just just go back up, you know, like, and, and find a way to, you know, like to move on. Um, and that was probably my biggest life lesson. And, you know, like, and sometimes like you can't, um, there are no words, you know, like there, you know, like you, you can't, you can't, um, you know, like, uh, like a death is something that you, you can actually, um, talk over and, you know, like talk your sorrow and, you know, like talk, you know, like the, the, the sadness and eventually, you know, like it's going to become like a nice memory of, you know, like what, what you've gone through with that person. Um, but there are situations where you, you can't talk them through, you know, like you can't really, and you have to just like accept and let's go, you know, like, or, or else you're, you're going to be stuck there for the rest of your life, you know, like, and so, um, they are, you know, like right now, you know, like I feel that, you know, I, I, I attend like virtual meetings like, um, every week. And, um, sometimes I feel that, you know, like th there are people that talk too much about, you know, like some of these, um, painful moments and I'm like, okay, you know, like you, you, you're going to get stuck there forever because you know, like there won't be no good answers. There won't be any great solutions to what you're describing. And, um, you just have to uh, admit it and, and accept it. It's, it's shitty. It's bad, but it, let's go. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and the more no, I grow, the more impatient I grow actually over that. You know, like, it's good, <laughs> um, and so, you know, like how has a, you know, like as a therapist, do you, do you interact with kind of that new way of, you know, like, you know, like almost overanalyzing those, those, those problems. Cause you know, like you, you seem to have like simple solutions. You know, like from, from what I hear from Pradeep, you know, like it's, it's almost too simple for our times right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess on that side, I, I wouldn't, so first of all, I'm not a therapist, so I, I, I'm more of a coach. Yeah. Um, the, the first thing is, you know, it is too simple because I, I you know, I work with, uh, 
a very group of guys, guys that are high performers, um, guys that are starting out to guys that are super extremely successful. Um, and I do find that when I give them a simple solution, it's almost tough for them to say, okay, I'll do this because it's almost too simple for them, <laughs> uh, whether that's in business or in their life. And it's just, yeah, we add so much complexity. Sometimes the best route from point A to point B is a straight line. And we just have to get over our challenges to get there. Um, and But go back to what you were talking about. There's a number of things that I think when people go through tough situations, we have to f- understand is first is, is our focus, right? Because our mind, if we, if we take a look at it, the best analogy I can use is like looking through a telescope. Right. And that's how your life is. If you're con- wherever you're putting your focus, just think of it as a telescope. If you're putting it on bad crap, negative stuff, you know, that's where your mind is going to be all the time. Your mind does not look outside of that telescope. It's constantly within that telescope. And so we have to see where we're actually focusing, where our attention is. That's one of the most important things. The second is, is what we call, uh, what I call contrast is our mood today is dependent on what we compare ourselves or our thoughts to. So let me give you an example. Uh, we were talking about, um, so someone I was working with today, one of my marketing guys, we were just talking about some guys that have gone through some major challenges in life. And I was actually Googling some guys. And one of the guys that came up was Chris Benoit from yeah, WWE. And I, I, had, I forgot about a story. And it was just, I just saw it today again. And when I read that, you know, he strangled his wife apparently and and suffocated his son. And when I read that, I was just like, my heart just dropped. And I was just like, I don't understand how someone could do that. I don't understand the pain or the suffering that not only like his son and his wife or, you know, the family must have gone through. It was just this moment of like, I would say sorrow But then I went back and I said, you know, I looked at my kids and it just made me appreciate my kids that much more. Yep. I just, and I spent a quality evening this evening with my kids and just loving them and playing with them and spending quality time because I was contrasting it to that situation. And so if we always look for, okay, you know what, what, what's actually good in our life that's important. Uh, That's actually gives us a better perception or perspective on life. And I'm a firm believer that when it comes to our challenges in our life, it's really to make us grow as individuals because, again, this comes from what my grandfather taught me and my background is, is uh, I'm sick, you can say, and Sikhs is how they typically pronounce it. And so I'm not an overly religious person, but I do take on principles and the principle of being a Sikh is to be a disciple, is to be a lifelong learner. And that's something that I took on when I was very young. And I always take a look and say, what can I learn from this situation? Because if you can learn from those moments, that's going to make you stronger as a person. Um, and, the, and every one of those challenges, and I know it sounds cliche, will continue to make you stronger. Because if you, if you learn and say, okay, this is how it's making me feel. This is how I'm thinking as a result. If I can get past this, the next time something similar happens, you're going to be able to deal with it a lot easier. And then even better is actually having a purpose. So if what better way, and I don't consider myself to any, be anything special, I've just gone through certain circumstances and learned certain, uh, certain skills to be able to help people. And I think that's all, you know, if we take, if we took the last thousands of years and took out professionals, you know, you talked about therapists. Well, how did we continue as a race? How did we teach our, we just basically taught them through life experiences. Yep. Right. 
And that's all it is. And and my grandfather taught me through his life experience. My dad taught me through his life experience. And I think we as individuals today, I sometimes forget that and say, well, we need to talk to someone professional or whatever that is. We, I, I believe we have a responsibility if we go through something tough to pass that knowledge, that wisdom onto the next generation. Yeah. Right. It gives us meaning to say, I've gone through this. Now I can teach my, the next generation, whether, and you have this podcast, which is absolutely amazing because you're impacting so many people as a result of that. Uh, and that's something you've taken on your pain and your hurt or your challenges that you've gone through, you've learned from it. And now you can help as many people as you want through this platform. Yeah. And, and it's funny that you talked about, you know, like the, the, um, spiritual, um, almost guidance that you got through your life, you know, like I'm, I rely so much on the serenity prayer, you know, like grant me the serenity to accept things that I cannot change and then the power to change the things that I can. And then finally the wisdom to, you know, know the difference between the two. Um, mm -hmm. I just rely on this. And sometimes I tell my wife, well, those are pretty much things that we can't change right now. And that's it. You know, I can move mm -hmm. on and, you know, and, and if we can change it, let's just freaking do it. You know, again, and, and that's it, you know, like, um, and so there's no denying, you know, like the stuff that happens in our lives and you're absolutely right. You know, like you, you need to actually, um, almost give yourself the mission to either through teaching and, and through inspiring, um, this is actually, you're right. You know, like, this is kind of what I want the podcast to be on top of, um, inspiring others that are challenged and that, that, you know, like are, are right now overcoming, um, those challenges on top of if you're, if you're the sister of, or the mother of, or the son of someone that is struggling to actually know what, you know, like what kind of bizarre specimen we are, you know, like, <laughs> because, you know, like it's, it's hard for someone that doesn't have that gene to actually understand, um, that someone could actually eat five, you know, pounds of candies and get themselves, you know, get themselves sick. You know, like you, you, even my wife, you know, like 15 years in our relation still can't understand that, you know, like she, she's like, you, you're not going to stop eating. Right. You know, like I'm like, well, I'm at that seems like yeah you know, like <laughs> it's one of those days you know like where you know like a, for whatever reasons you know like and it, it must be either like a, an emotional bump or whatever in my life but you know like and and you know, it's it's in my subconscious for sure mm -hmm. but you know like where you know like i could eat the old pantry and you know like would be wouldn't be fulfilled, you know, like, and, and wouldn't be filled. And, and sometimes it's, it's, um, with, you know, like my, my, my money management and sometimes it's my whatever, you know, like the, there are, you know, like I still have that in me, you know, like, and so, you know, like I need to be careful about everything. Um, the podcasting equipment is, you know, like one great example of, you know, like me losing a bit of my mind over that. And, and then it's, you know, like we got a puppy three weeks ago and my wife, I don't know how many boxes we received of stuff for the fucking dog. <laughs> My wife was like, if you unwrap another box that you ordered for the dog, I'm going to lose my mind. You know, like it's, it's too much, you know, like, and I, I, I know exactly what she's talking about, but it's, it's in me. And so for someone that doesn't understand that, I think the podcast has that, um, 
as that purpose of kind of, you know, like opening people's eyes. Oh, oh my God. You know, like that's my brother <laughs> you're, they're, yeah. they're talking about, you know, like that's my father they're talking about. And so, um, yeah, that's why I love doing it. And that's why, you know, like I, I, I enjoyed every minute of our conversation pretty it was it was uh it was fascinating i i love the fact that you took um you know like your your own life experience and actually applied um the you know like the academic learning um and and transformed this into something that could actually help um others but it's it's actually an hybrid between what academic um you know, like what a pure therapist would do to, you know, like kind of, you know, like mixing it in with, you know, like your own life experience. So that must be, yeah. that's what, that must be, even for you, that must be quite exciting to meet with new people and discover kind of a new facet to some of those challenges. Oh, I absolutely love it. Yeah. Cause I'm always learning. I'm always learning something new. I'm always discovering something in terms of how we are as people, as individuals. And as a result of learning through other people, I learn about myself. Yeah. Which is, re which is really interesting. You know, you, you talk about that, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me, because you mentioned making awareness to the general public. So it's, if it's not just the individual suffering, someone in your social circle might be, and you can pick up on those signs, but it's honestly not until I got into my thirties and I had my kids that I realized what my dad was really dealing with. Because I would sit down after a tough day at work or whatever, and I'd have a drink and my kids would be doing this or that, or I, you know, my wife and I were having challenges or whatever it is. And I just, something will go off and I'm like, I remember that moment that my dad did this and why did, he, and he made the decision to do, do this. And I can see why he did that now. Because you got, you got thirsty. Yeah. You probably got and, thirsty, you know, like, and, and, you know, like you, you, you come, you know, like there's like a trigger where you're like, wow, I'm suddenly more thirsty <laughs> than I yeah. was a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. And just knowing that life situation, like this is how he felt, yep. you know, this is, you know, I'll give you a, just one prime example. When my dad used to drink a lot, he would just, uh, there, he would just take his phone book and just call every single one of his family members. And I would sit there and I would think like, why does he do that? My mom would get annoyed because they're like, okay. So the next day everybody would call and say, okay, you know what? Uh, Lucky called because that was his nickname. And, you know, he talked to us for an hour and he, he, and my mom would be like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing that again. But I look and I'm like, wow, I, I understand my dad now because I feel that way. Because most of his family was in India. He was living in an area where mainly my mom's family and I'm living in that situation now where most of my family's in BC, but in Ontario, it's mainly my wife's family and I'm feeling it alone. And after I have a couple of drinks, I call up my friends and my family members and I'm just <laughs> like, I get it. I get it. Right. And so it's not until we put ourselves in that person's shoes that we fully understand. And it's, you know, like the, the nostalgia of things, you know, like over, can overcome us quite quickly, you know, like the, 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 and you know, like, um, influenced by the alcohol it's it's almost like magnified to you know like to uh you know like it it, it makes us even emotional you know like like my god you know like i need to go back to those feelings that i had yeah. when i was close to these people and and so the alcohol just like magnifies that you know i like, can and just uh yeah amplifies that yeah. um the last question i got for you is um where can people find you per deep? You know, like, I, you know, like I'm, if I, if I was so, um, 
you know, like if I enjoyed so much, you know, like the conversation we just had, you know, like I'm, I'm guessing that people listening would be interested in hearing more about you and reading more about you, you know, like what can, where can people find you? Sure. Yeah. You can go to pradeepsanga.com. That's my website. You can reach out to me on pretty much every social media channel. My handle is at pradeepsanga. I actually just released a new book. It's called The Complete Man. And if, uh, you, you know, your listeners are interested in getting a copy, you can get a discounted copy at completemanaudio.com. And if you use a promo code VICTORY75, so that's all one word, at completemanaudio.com, you'll get 75% off. Awesome. And so for everyone listening, uh, don't just go running for pen and paper. Everything that Pradeep just mentioned uh, is going gonna, is gonna to be in the description of the episode. So you can find it there. Um, Pradeep, thanks a lot for your time. You know, like it was, um, it, it, you know, again, you know, like we, we, I, we, we rescheduled that meeting uh, too, too many times and I was sorry about <laughs> it and still am. And, um, and so by the time that, you know, like that we started recording, I forgot, you know, like all of what you described, you know, like of, of, um, cause you sent me kind of a note of, you know, like the reason why you wanted to be on and I forgot about it, but you know, like it's, um, we shouldn't have rescheduled so many times, you know, like it was, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, okay. but it was, um. It was a great time spent. Um, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed every moment of it. You know, like it was, it was a blast having you on and um, I wish you the best, but you know, like it's, it's, um, it's a great thing that, you know, like um, that I see there, you know, like I, you know, like I think you're, you're, it's a, it's a great path that you're on. Thank you. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation too. It's been awesome. And I, and I actually enjoy, honestly, in all honesty, I love what you're doing with the podcast because we need more of these open conversations. So thank you for that. Thank you. Take care. Take care. <laughs>